Welcome to Sends and Suffers Podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley. I cannot tell you how much doing this LBGTQ plus series with Alexa has been a growth experience. This episode you're about to hear is Alexa and I kind of recapping and talking about what we've learned, how we've grown, and how this whole experience has been together. And it has taught me a lot. And you're going to hear us both talk about some moments that were great, not so great. And we're also going to take a moment to talk to Alexa and recap on some of the highlighted moments that stood out the most for her. I hope you all have enjoyed this series as much as I have. And I look forward to doing the next series with her this next coming summer. Sit back. Enjoy and listen to two people build a relationship together. All right. Alexa, how are we today? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Mario? I'm all right. It's been uh, a long 48 hours, but uh, with worlds happening and everything going on in the gym right now, it's uh, it's a little cray-cray, but it's good. It's yeah. good. Um. So, I guess we should just get right into it. How has it been being the host of your own podcast? It's been uh it's been an amazing uh experience and I've like definitely learned like so much through the experience and like totally changed overall as like a person and a climber um and just really really grateful for like the opportunity. It's been a lot of fun. So I think I know for well, one, I'm psyched and you're welcome and I, uh, I'm happy and I look forward to doing this again. Um, I know this has definitely been a big learning curve for me and as well. And I'm thinking back to your episode with Sam mm-hmm. and you guys, and, you know, one of the things that, um, y'all were talking about was. Uh, like collaboration and different things like this. And I realized it's like, this is the first project that I've collaborated with someone on for a long period of time in a long time. Like normally, you know, it's like, I don't know. I think it's easy to, at least for me, it's easy to mix up collaboration with like a day's worth of work of like, Hey, we're all going to get together Mm -hmm. to do this project. But like, this was a learning process for me too, as well from a technical side and a management side and things like that. So I have to say thank you for accepting it and giving me the opportunity to grow and get better and understanding like, okay, where can this podcast really go? Like, what can we really do with this thing? And, you know, the honest answer is I think the sky is the limit. We can do whatever we want with it. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I think this would be a good time, and I don't know if other people are thinking about this, but you know, I've told other people to start their own podcast, and because they've talked to me about starting it. But after doing this, what what have you learned about trying to start yours? Is, granted, you come into one that's already established, but mm-hmm. I basically gave you microphones and said, "Like, have fun." Yeah. 
like what did I learn like just yeah, starting off like technically like yeah technically in the field like, yeah what were things that you're like okay so next time we do this yeah I'm gonna remember this yeah so luckily I had some uh background with audio recording from like my uh degree where I went to UNT and got uh my bachelor's in uh radio television film and I worked uh took audio production class I worked like uh as an intern like ship for the radio station mm -hmm. so I was pretty familiar with like editing audio and like splicing things together um and pretty familiar with like recording audio because like for yep. filmmaking I would record audio too for interviews and stuff um so luckily I had that knowledge going into it um I guess like one like big takeaway I would say is just like making sure that like I would download the files as well and just like make sure those are like just like backed up on my side because you know like Mm -hmm. shit happens and oh, yeah. hard drives go down and sometimes files get lost and that's really sucky like thing that happens but um we learn we hopefully learn from those experiences and like take that forward to make sure we don't make those same mistakes um so yeah it's just like that's definitely one thing and then like i was only able to record like two of them in person and like the ones at the end with the uh, cat and nikki and that was like a challenge, I guess, to say of like trying to be the host and like be there in the conversation and present with the two of them. Like they were separate, of course, but like, and then trying to also manage and think about the audio settings mm -hmm. and the levels and then making sure there's not background noise or making sure like the microphones aren't being like messed with as we're recording. So there's like a lot of technical things that um, kind of fall through the cracks as yeah. I'm trying to like, focus all my energy and be present in the conversation those things kind of can fall away from you and i don't think it's necessarily like anything that like diminishes like what we captured in the conversation and how Agreed. powerful it is 100 but it's agree. it's like for someone who's like an audiophile or just like you know who's more of an audio nerd like they're gonna notice those things but like most people won't really take it you know but i'm kind of tech person in general like with like film and video and everything and like photography but it's just like I have to learn to like let those things go and just yeah move I don't, forward. But like like I said, using that information and try to do it better next time. Yeah, I think the big thing is is like that's the difference between a podcast and like broadcast and production. A podcast, mm -hmm. like I think to a certain extent, unless you come off with your podcast with like in a studio, really raw, really yeah. polished, which Sense and Suffers is not. Yeah. I think the thing is is like I think people are more forgiving of that. And I also think your stories and what you were telling overshadowed anything else. I think people cared far more about like your message and what you were saying. And I don't think anything of that mattered, but I, I was curious just because like in my own experience of doing this podcast, I remember the first time I set up outdoors and I did not take into account of like where I was sitting. I was, I wasn't like I was in a park interviewing a friend and this is an episode that I don't know if we'll ever see the light of day, but it was kind of like, you know, you do that for when you're going to first thing, you ask a friend, you're like, Hey, will you meet me here? I want to pry this thing. I just want to practice, see if it will ever work. And we were interviewing in mineral well state park. It was this there. I was there hanging out with them, taking some other friends climbing and doing some stuff. But, um, at the end I was like, do you want to try this? And the thing that I noticed the most was obviously, I thought I was far enough away from the gate and the cars, everything like that. 
but the sound that was so prominent was the cars going over speed bumps mm. where you could hear the crunchiness of it. Yeah. And then it was just, it was repeatedly so loud. It was something that I just, I thought I was far enough away. It was that, and there's all these little things you learn. And I think it's just like, eh, you know, it's much like climbing, but it's like yeah. nuance, finesse, anything like that. I really like how you were talking about um, wanting to maintain your level of engagement because I feel like that's sometimes hard because I know for me, it's hard for me when I'm like, oh, they just said something I want to remember. And so mm -hmm. I've been, I have these tricks that I do to help me remember what they're saying, but still be engaged in the conversation and still go back and forth. And it's, but it is still challenging. Did you, was that the hardest part? Did you feel like honestly staying engaged with, uh, with people throughout the length of the episodes when you were recording, do you feel like that was ever really a challenge? Were you ever really drained in your conversations? Um, I don't know if I'd use the word drain for like afterwards. I think I got better at it. Like it was probably definitely a challenge in the uh, beginning. Yeah. And I think I got better at it as I went. And, you know, I've had, like I said, I have some experience from like doing interviews, mm -hmm. like over video and stuff. So like I had that, like luckily I had that experience for like staying present and engaged in the conversation. Yeah. Um, so like I was able to like transfer that knowledge over, mm -hmm. but like having it like on the podcast side of things and like being digital for a lot of them over, you know, an mm -hmm. online uh, service um that you know was a little bit different and like getting used to that but i definitely uh was able to get better at as i went but yeah like you're saying if there's something you know they said that you want to remember it's like uh, you don't want to sit there and like look down at your keyboard and type it out really fast like i wanted to like be, be engaged be engaged with them and not seem like i'm trying to like oh well let me do this really fast as you're talking like i am actually interested in what they're saying and like wanting them to know that like I care with about what they're saying and mm -hmm. like I want to like comprehend as much as I can. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I think people are forgiving of that, but I do agree with you. Yeah, I know for me, it's like after a bunch of them, I guess the word, the reason why I use that drained for me is sometimes I'm a little emotional, especially if the conversation is really emotional oh, yeah. and heavy. I feel like my battery in that realm, and maybe I didn't preface it very well, but like I think like, you know, with your skills and your interview skills, I see that as flawless, I guess is like, like, I, and I, once again, I speak for myself. I yeah. know, especially like even the interview I was doing last night with, uh, with Caleb, there was one point of it where we were like talking about our parents and like what's going on and things like that. And I just remember like at the end of it, like that segment of it, I just had to sit back and like close my eyes for a minute and like re mentally recharge my battery. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, I don't know, listening to most of your episodes, it was like, I... I guess that's the only thing I think of because I'm just wondering if my experience and your experience is really close. But, you know, I think I, you know, n someone who doesn't know you forgetting that you have and not knowing that you have that large of a background in this mm -hmm. stuff, it makes sense. Yeah. And like the one thing I want to add on to what you're saying about like, you're talking about like talking about like hard, like heavy pre previous, like traumatic experiences probably is what it sounds like, or just well, like just, just heavy, in heavy, heavy past experiences. Yeah. Um, can be emotionally draining yeah and like i didn't go into as much as that about myself so maybe that's why you have a different experience mm -hmm. like i was trying to like you know share a little bit about myself in the episodes but also you know i'm there to mostly listen to the other person and hear what their mm -hmm. story is but i wanted to also offer up some of my own information so they felt like it was you know closer to being an equal conversation but you know not focusing so much on myself as i am on them 
And the other part that I forgot to say was like, after every episode, I would say I actually walked away like with the new energy and like this feeling of like connection and like feeling of, uh, yeah, like connection and energy. I walked away just like, like so happy and like inspired after every single conversation that I had. Mm -hmm. And I think the hardest one was, uh, the last one I recorded was with Kat at the Flash Foxy Festival where we re recorded in his rental car because like uh, yeah, it was the end I of the night that. and it was like, I was like telling Kat, I was like, I want to be respectful of instead of time on my phone. So I know that we were cut off at 45 minutes or whatever, or whatever time we like we allotted for it. And then at the end of it, I was just like, it's like almost 11 p.m. And I'm like, I have to go to bed now. Like, how am I going to sleep after this conversation? Because uh, I had so much energy from it. Yeah. It was just like, it was great. Um, and I guess like on that note, there was something I wanted to like throw in about the experience um, of just like, or I guess well, I'll, I'll cover it later because I'm going to talk about like, you know, the changes from like technical things and like mm -hmm. things I've gone through. I can, I can, I just wanted to note that to myself, um, to come back to that. Um, but yeah. And I would say like the other thing, like technically wise with the podcast in general, like learning, like I never would consider myself like a producer because that entails more of like the scheduling and business side of things that I don't see myself as skilled at, but this podcast definitely has helped me learn and grow in those aspects as well i'm not saying i was perfect at it i definitely dropped the ball here and there and like was really like upset with myself about it and like generally i'm really hard on myself so mm -hmm. like i'm like you know anything that i did i was able i was i tried my best to you know you know acknowledge my mistake and mm -hmm. like acknowledge it to the person i did it with and like try to move forward from there and like letting them know i'm trying to make it right now yeah, I and think, make up for that. I think the show turned out. I think the series turned out amazing, regardless of like our hiccups. And I and I also want to give uh, probably a thing too. It's like anyone listening to this, you're probably I don't know half of you are audiophiles are like yay, and the other two and the other people who know no difference and like this. I was too busy crying through the whole thing. Are super emotional or cheering? Are you really? This is just because we're two people who want to do our best and. You know, it's like those memes that go out on the Instagram. You're going to suck in the beginning or it's not always going to be perfect, but we're getting better. And <clears throat> pardon, clearing out the pipes. Uh, but yeah, and this is also kind of like, I guess, kind of what you guys would hear is kind of behind the scenes talk of like, what did we learn going back and forth? Because it's funny you say that. And I feel like I had to be in the producer's seat. And between working with you, Daniel, myself, traveling, still recording a little bit on my own getting mm -hmm. ready for the upcoming season and it's like it was a huge huge management and learning experience which you know i think yeah i mean balls were dropped on both of us because you know and those and if you guys are really interested in knowing what those are you can reach out to us but let's just say like we are immensely excited for next year and we are immensely excited to grow this and do July and August next year and have another set of series of episodes coming out that are going to be awesome. But on that note, I'd like to kind of showcase what we do have. Yeah. And you have selected a bunch of clips. And mm -hmm. then so I'd like to go for us just to kind of go listen to them. And then in my mind, you know, and run with it 
however you want, but in my mind, I think there's always like, you know, a physical, emotional, and a spiritual effect to anything that we do. Mm-hmm. You know, like climbing. Physically you get better. Spiritually yeah. you get bolder. Emotionally, I think you are allowed to you're able to dig deeper, especially when things don't go your way or when things do go your way. Yeah. And those are like that's just generally my thought. Like, you know, your heart, your mind and your your heart, your mind and your gut all have something to say with everything. And I feel I don't know, like just kind of putting all this together right before we hit record here, I was letting my mind begin to dabble on that. But I would definitely really want to know like why you chose all these and what they mean to you. Mm -hmm. And I guess, yeah, we can just kind of get into it. Yeah. Before we go into that, can I like share a little bit more about like the experience? Like I think just giving like a little history of like how like this started basically like, Uh, and it's been like, uh, like we, I started recording last March or April, I think was like the first, uh, I recorded the first one. No, no, it was before that. Well, yeah, there was like the first episode we recorded like in January. Yes. Um, and then we picked up and resumed. Uh, so yeah, January, 2021 was the first one. And then I picked up doing, and that was in person. And then the other ones we picked up, uh, I did those online. Um, and that was like in March or April, I think I started. Mm-hmm. Um, and like my whole like transformation of where I started on the podcast, like in terms of like as a climber and like not feeling like I was like qualified to like come in and like host a podcast oh, about climbing. Over, overqualified. I, I know. Oh, it was so funny because like I, w- I was at the point like of only climbing, like I started what 2019. So that was beginning of 20. No, it was uh, beginning of 2021. So it was only, only like two years of just climbing in the gym. And I hadn't even got to climb outside yet. Um, and like, I was talking to all these like really like established and like really solid climbers who were climbing outside constantly. And in the beginning I felt so like, just like, I have no idea like what to talk about in this situation or how to kind of relate to it. And it wasn't until like after like the second or third episode that I finally made it outdoors mm-hmm. and could and actually yeah. like, Oh. I understand this now and like what yeah. people were talking about in terms of like getting to climb outside or like, I like to say climbing in nature sounds really cheesy, but it actually like really like it, it has a whole different experience for me. You know, um, you know, that was an intentional choice of mine knowing that you haven't climbed <laughs> so long. Cause like, don't get me wrong. Like you can have this more experienced climber and this person who's had all this, you know, done, stuff in the valley and yada yada and moab and whatever all the places in the world to climb Mm -hmm. but that conversation to me is a conversation that you have at the campground the conversations that i was i wanted to hear from you is basically the same level of conversations that i have with you in the gym where you talk Mm -hmm. about your life and you talk about what you you know how you've gone and your process and everything that you've been doing and you're growing and finding love and like these are the conversations that I have with you. And I felt like you were uniquely in the position because you are not overly seasoned by the world of climbing. You kind of had this perspective of like, I know nothing. I have nothing to lose. So I have everything to gain. Yeah. And Caleb and I talked about this last night. When you say nothing matters, I believe there's only three kinds of responses. Nothing matters. So I'm just going to just do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Nothing matters. So I don't care anymore. I'm going to lie here. Nothing matters. I have nothing to lose. And I feel like you were the third 
of that, the latter part. Because when I was talking to you every day and just passing in the gym, yeah. like I was rattling on the, and I think I even told you, I was like, I've been rattling on this thought in my head yeah. for a little while. I was like, I wasn't sure about it. Yeah. Because so, first it started off like, oh yeah, I want to have you on an episode. And then you yeah. came back a couple months later and like, hey, how about this? this. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, you know, and ultimately I didn't, and I think that also boiled down to is like, I personally just did not feel comfortable doing a deliberate LBGTQ plus month and like, and also not doing it on January and June. I just didn't want to do it that time too. I mean, that also worked out well with timing, and mm-hmm. us, but like, I don't know. I just never felt like I was like, I, there's, there's like, it's one, my lived experiences will never do this full justice. And I think our last two episodes that went out, yours with Nikki and mine with Nikki, and I listened to both of them back to back. They are so different. They are so different. I haven't had to listen with yours with Nikki yet, but I'm excited. Too. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I listened to yours first and then I went back and then I listened to this one and I was just like, this, the message is virtually the same from Nikki because mm-hmm. we all know what she stands for. She's very firm in that. But like the level of relation, the level of intimacy, the level of this and the type of interest intimacy that is, it's so different. And I was just listening to it and I was like, I would have never had this perspective if Alexa hadn't talked to her. Yeah. Like I would have never known. And I recorded that thing so long ago. I forgot about it. Like I really forgot like the conversations that I had with oh, her. Yeah. And then listening to what you yours, I was like, that just it's so different. And I think it just breeds truth to life, lived experiences and life experiences. And so, yeah, just cause you've been climbing two years, it made you the perfect person. The yeah. perfect person. Yeah. Like it was one of the things I loved about, you know, cause we recorded these like last year and then getting to go back and listen to them and I could like hear my own growth as a climber and like my knowledge and like what I'd experienced recently and that recording. Um, and I remember specifically listening to the episode with Nana and how they were talking about how they were like so pumped after getting to climb outside and starting Belayal and everything. And I had like this similar, very similar energy because I had just gotten back like from the weekend prior to going up to like Horseshoe Canyon Ranch for the first time. And I was so pumped about climbing outside after that first trip and just like you know, I went on the trip and it was uh, people I met through the gym mm-hmm. and there was one other queer person there. Um, this guy, Sean, who was great and so much fun to climb with, but everyone else there was like, you know, cis head people that I, you know, enjoyed climbing with. Um, but really like most of my like network and like people I hang out with are like more like queer mm-hmm. trans people. So it was like the most time that I spent with other like cis head people for a long time mm-hmm. and just was kind of nervous not knowing going into that experience, like how people would like treat me outside of just the climbing time, you know? Uh, Um, but I still had like a really fun time and enjoyed it, but it just reminded me that much more of like, I would love to have an experience where I get to go outside and climb with a group of queer people. And the amazing thing is like, I thought about that and like wanted to like, you know, help create something like that. But in reality, like it's, I'm still so early in my climbing journey that like, I don't have the resources to put something like like that together just yet i want to get to that point but i i was able to actually do that the end of last year in november i got to go out to uh this event called climb out camp out um mm-hmm. and originally it was supposed to take place like at, uh 
uh, outside like Mammoth Lake up in like, uh, you know, more like Northern, it's not Northern California, but it's like, you know, it's further North than Joshua Tree. Yeah. Um, and I was originally, it was supposed to happen there in September, but it got bumped because of the wildfires last year and they moved it to Joshua Tree in November. So I took like this whole like week long road trip, my first like solo trip by myself that I've ever done. And I called it my queercation because it was all leading up to this weekend where I got to go and climb in Joshua Tree, where it was a strictly like queer climbing event um, that uh, Brie, um, I can't remember her last name, so bad right now, um, but Brie was one of the, uh, she's a fellow trans woman and she was one of the organizers for it. I'm just, just like so excited to see her and so many other queer guides you know, everyone, everyone there was queer in the community in some, some relational way. Like, all the guides were queer. Everyone who attended was in the community. Um, and so, like, leading up to that, like, I made it intentional to, like, you know, like, along the way I stopped, you know, like, in Albuquerque, I stayed with a friend. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, he was, you know, a trans guy that I met through the support group. And I stayed with him and his husband. And that was a really great, you know, evening staying there. And then I drove to Sedona the next day. And met up with this other trans woman who climbs, and we climbed like half a day in Sedona together. And I camped there. And then the next day, I drove to LA and I stayed with some friends that I knew from this area that also work in like the video world that are also queer. And then from there, I drove uh, all the way up to uh, San Francisco. And by my friend's advice, I took the, the Highway 1. Oh, yeah. Instead of taking the interstate, that would have been faster. But I was so glad I did because it was one of the most beautiful drives. Highway 1 that is I have gorgeous. ever it's... done. And I was so glad the actual sun peaked out for a little bit at sunset. And it was just gorgeous. And I stopped at this rest stop that my friends told me about and took some pictures and some drone footage. And it was gorgeous. It was worth the extra couple hours that it took. But the only scary part, if you haven't driven the one, just be certain that your car is like safe to drive out in places where you don't have access to cell phone signal and like mm. because if your car goes down out there you're like pretty much fucked because there's like areas out there that you're just like completely secluded and you have no cell signal so i just want to preface that for people just be safe okay. think about having your car you know inspected and making sure it's good to go and you have fresh tires because you don't want to get stranded out there on on the highway one it's beautiful but just it's have that caution of it being remote, like many other places you travel to. Mm-hmm. But it's just not something I would have thought about until I was driving and trying to like pull up, you know, Direction. directions. I was like, well, I'll just follow the signs to San Francisco then. Um, and then, yeah, San Francisco, I stayed there for a couple of days, just like in a hostel downtown. And I linked up with this other uh, trans woman that I met on Instagram. Uh, we were supposed to go climbing together, but like she had just like hurt herself playing rugby. So we didn't get to climb together, but I still went to the, uh, I think it was Pacific Pipe, uh, Pacific Pipe Works. Pipe Works. Yeah, Pacific Pipe Works. Pipe Works. Um, yeah, that, and that they just opened a, a new gym there, and it was massive and so much fun. I was able to find someone to climb with, um, and then yeah, from there uh, I drove down to Joshua Tree uh, for that weekend and did the climbing trip, and it was it was such an amazing experience. And the funny thing is, like looking back at the episodes and listening to them, like I know a lot of like queer friends that like have found partners through climbing at the gym or just mm. like outdoor climbing. And I was listening to the episodes last night to like get, you know, go through the sound bites and stuff. I remember Sam talking about how he met his boyfriend at a climbing festival. And it just like made me smile for a second. Cause I realized like that was really cool when I heard it. And like when I recorded the episode and everything last year, I was like pretty much single. 
And then at the trip in Joshua Tree, I met my partner. Just like unknowingly, I went in just like to have a good time and meet all these other people. I had no intentions walking away, like with someone's Instagram handle, thinking I was going to message them and that we end up in a relationship. Like that was nowhere like in my like intentions or what I was like expecting to walk away with. Um, but yeah, I met uh, my partner Xander while I was there and we just like, like it was funny. Like, you know, we exchanged like Instagram handles because there was no signal just like putting in our notes. Oh yeah. And then from there we just started messaging and then we started like FaceTiming from that and then like, you know, scheduled our first date because like they're based out of San Diego. So we like met in the middle at this place in New Mexico at these hot springs. And then from there we've uh been in a relationship since like the beginning of January. And it's just like this like beautiful thing that I'm like so grateful for that I went on that trip and like took that risk to go by myself and like found like love at this like you know infinity space for queer people for climbing and yeah um it's really great and i just want to thank them for like patience that like the timing like the podcast has like taken like for my life and stuff and like especially i was at the flash foxy festival and like taking time away from, like hanging out with them or like spending time with them like i stepped out to like go record episodes and stuff so like i just want to say thank you xander for your support and patience. I love you. Thank you. Um, just had to throw that in there. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, but yeah, like everything else, like in terms of like climbing and stuff, I was just like super happy with everything that I learned and being able to like meet and talk to all these amazing climbers. And like, it's cool because I like so far of everyone I talked to, I haven't got to like meet up with anyone in person yet besides Lore. And I actually got to take like Laura's like uh like falling clinic when I was at the Flash Foxy oh, Festival okay. that they led. So like we didn't really climb climb together, but you know like they led the course and like I'm on the wall and they're there and stuff. So Close I'm, enough. I'm counting it. Um, and it was really great to just like meet them in person, and they were just as amazing in person as they you know were on on the call and stuff. And uh-huh. like that's one thing I realized last night re-listening through uh lore's uh clips was that i noticed for like a lot of like really strong like really amazing climbers is that they don't have an ego like some of the best climbers i've met like i had the privilege of meeting alex honnold this last summer and the guy had no ego in sight he was so cool and relaxed and just like willing to talk to like everyone at the gym who was like coming up to him constantly and like asking for a selfie or just like saying something and like he was cool with conversation with everybody like, from what I heard and, like, talked to the staff, like, he had a hard out that he had to leave by, like, from his, like, management side, because he would just stay the whole time and continue talking and, like, signing, like, autographs and stuff. So he's just, like, the nicest person and just, like, able to, like, give back to the community and, yeah. like, be that person and, like, willing to spend that time with people was just, like, so incredible to see. And, like, I, like, saw that and heard the similarities to, like, lore last night and and like when i was listening to those clips and just hearing the humility that they had around like things that they had like you know had to go through in like terms of discrimination of like being like non-binary and stuff and i was just like wow they handled this like so well um and it was just like incredible i was like i really like strive to be able to handle things in a better way without like feeling so like attacked and like my ego like reacting to things like they were just like i was yeah i was blown away 
Um, but yeah, I'll get into that more when we get to the clips for sure. Um, I think that's, yeah, I just wanted to go over those few things about like the climbing and everything else. Um, but yeah, it definitely grew and changed uh, for the better uh, a lot this last year. And super um, grateful for the podcast for allowing me to do that. Well, I think the podcast is better with you in it by far. Like the podcast is better with it, with you nowhere than without you anywhere. So I really am excited and I'm looking forward to doing this again. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's funny. It's like, you just forget how much time passes when you podcasts are like, you know, anything we create content, it's, it's virtually a Polaroid, whether it's digital or not, because you're transported back to that moment and you're transported back to that time and listening back to it especially because it's a conversation. There's so many like cues to like really help you remember where you are and what's going on in your life. Yeah. So that's beautiful. All right. Well, shall we? Yeah, good. <laughs> All right. The thing that I really came back to was that climbing brings me joy. You know, I get to be joyful when I'm out. I get to be joyful spending my days out with people that I love. And I think that for me, like finding ways to just access joy that like has no boundaries, like just getting to like throw myself into something I love especially in a world where like, I don't always feel like that's expected for me mm -hmm. has been really powerful. So honestly, I don't overthink it. I do it because I love it and it brings me joy. So yeah, the first one was with <clears throat> my conversation with Thor. Um, and yeah, they're just like talking about, you know, the reason they're, they climb is for the joy that it brings them. And that just really, like, resonated with me. Um, because, like, I asked that question to, like, pretty much everyone. And just, like, hearing their response really just, like, clicked with the, in the sense of, like, you know, the joy that it brings me to be able... Like, there's also, like, another, like, section later in that uh, in the interview where it talks about, um, you know, like, as, like, for them as a non-binary person and, like, the issues that like they face as being non-binary and the issues i face as like being trans like in a in a country that's so divided and like up in arms against like trying to wait trying to take away like our basic human rights like it's exhausting like emotionally um to be in that situation and like have to go up against those things every day for years now like being able to turn to climbing is like such an important thing mm -hmm. for me and like from what Laura said for them like being able to access joy is like what that helps them do it also helps me access my joy and access like presencing myself that's another thing that a lot of people talked about was like climbing like it was almost like a meditation like i heard someone else say that it was like something that helped me presence myself I in the moment because i get really tied up by a lot of things in the media and like in the news about like it said like you know basic human rights being taken away and all these other mm -hmm. things that are going on uh in the world and in our country and so being able to like get to the gym to experience joy through all of that is so important and to hear the way that Laura expressed it was just so refreshing and 
just so um, inviting that I was just like super you know, touched by the way they were able to express it. Um, and yeah, it just like, it reminds me why I hate being injured. Um, hmm. like this, this last week, unfortunately, I just like kind of strained, uh, one of my pulleys and like that evening I was so scared. I was like, I really hope I didn't mess up my pulley. Like that means I won't be able to climb for like a month and a half or so, depending on how severe it is. Because like climbing is really, literally that important to me where it's one of those things that's almost like a therapy, a sec another version of therapy for myself mm -hmm. to help presence mm -hmm. myself. And the joy that I get from it, like, I'm going to be without that for a little bit. And that just makes me really sad. Um, so I was, like, you know, bummed out about it and kind of depressed, like, this last week for a couple of days. But, like, I was able to, like, not focus on it so much and, like, keep myself occupied with things to not, like, really, like, you know, just spin around in that depression. And, like, that would make it worse. Yeah. So, like, being able to have things to work on really helped me. But, yeah, I'm, you know... For a little bit right now in the next month or so i'll miss that joy but look forward to coming back to it and do my best to avoid making a similar mistake you know listening to that clip i think one of the things that i heard i think they have the unique ability to be able to honestly like muster up the good in the situation that they're in and i think they also have that ability like climbing is what does it for lore but I have a strong feeling if climbing wasn't accessible, like Lord, just the energy that comes off, I feel like they would be able to find it or exalt their, like find their way to exalt joy in some other form. Like I said, I don't know. I'm going with that. I just, it's just the energy that I get from lore. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. I didn't get to this. Oh. Yeah. Their energy is like infectious. In yeah. Way. I guess that's the way I'm and really trying to say it. Cause so, it seems contagious. It's, it's, yeah. It's contagious. And like from like being around them in person, like, uh, back in March at the flash Foxy fest, like how was that clinic overall? It was so amazing. Like I was so grateful. I was able to get in the clinic. Um, and like Xander actually joined my partner joined me in the clinic as well. And so that was like, it was, it was fun, but also like, it was like the second time we got to climb together outside. And when you're doing like a falling clinic, you're, you're going through a lot of emotions Yeah, you're building trust. and like building trust and like going through like a lot of emotions and like processing, like how to like fall correct, not correctly, but I mean, fall, no, you're fall, right. fall in a, in a way that reduces risks. Yeah. Not yeah. safely, but reducing risk mm -hmm. and assessing that risk when you're in on the wall and looking down. But like, I learned so many helpful tips that helped me like be better at taking falls and lead or taking whips, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, uh, I definitely like learned a lot and, uh, like, you know, there was like one tense moment where I remember I was like really overwhelmed with what was going on. Um, and like, I had to like step away from the wall and like from everyone else. Cause I needed mm. a moment to myself just to like process what I was going through emotionally. And it was like really severe and like, Lore like walked over and like found me where I had like kind of gone down the side of uh, the approach where we're at, like all these rocks and stuff. And I was trying to just seclude myself so people wouldn't see me like having my moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like Lore found me and just came over and just like checked on me to make sure I was okay. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really special. And I felt really supported by them. 
in that moment and just like they helped me be able to like calm down and just like get back to what you were there. Lore sounds like they are spectacular at their job. Yeah, they're also like they're training to be uh they're going into like field of mental health. I can't remember what exactly their uh, training is, but like they're like studying to be like uh I wanna like it's either like I don't think I don't think it's therapy, it's like either psychology, um psychiatry. Adventure, like adventure like, it's, therapy. It's, yeah, like something I don't know if it's especially, but I think it's more like both focused on like queer like psychology or like queer like access for like queer mental health and like helping the community. And like mm-hmm. I got like all of that from them and like their knowledge and it just really made me feel supported like moving forward and like i mentioned like this breathing exercise that i did that would help me calm down uh-huh. and they're like oh yeah i love that exercise That's awesome. and it was just really cool to like you know i was like talking through what i was going through and they had mentioned how they had gone through similar things and like similar feelings and i would never have guessed that they had experienced like similar thoughts or emotions around like what i was experiencing um and that made me feel a lot less alone in that moment and like mm-hmm. feeling, you know, present with where I was at, like in the space, you know, and that uh, moment and with them to feel that was like the best thing. So thank you, Laura, again, for the amazing clinic and for just like being there and supporting me uh, through everything that weekend. It was, it was really special. I believe the next clip we have is Claire. Up, up until that point of being honest and truthful about who I am, I was never able to process trauma from my past. Um, it all just got buried deep. So once this process started, um, all this stuff just has been coming out um out of the floodgates. Um, and one thing that society, our society in the US has taught me is to not trust people. Um, so climbing, so it, I already had this introduction to climbing and this connection to nature that was always good and healing, blah, blah, blah. But climbing is such an intimate and can be a such a dangerous thing to do that you have to be able to build trust. I think the reoccurring theme there is is like you can't do it alone. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like you just you just can't do it alone. Yeah. That's like like one of the things that got out of that conversation with Claire and especially like that clip was like listening to her, like talk about the process, like at the beginning, you know, she's talking about the process of like her transitioning basically mm-hmm. and how, um, beginning the process of transitioning, all of these things from her past, all these like traumatic experiences that like, you know, she had essentially just like, you know, suppressed. And that really stood out and resonated with me as another trans person, as a trans woman. And like, I could totally, you know, really relate to 
that feeling of like the beginning of transition and all these things that I have suppressed for so long and all these like hardships or traumas, whatever you want to call it, that I had faced at a younger age were like resurfacing for the first time because I never knew how to like process or like properly manage it where like essentially those things had reprogrammed my brain in a certain way to learn how to survive because I didn't know how to deal with it properly at such a young age. And no one does as a kid. No one has that no, information or that training. We're all kids. We all come to, into this world with, you know, parents who are human beings that have flaws because they're human mm-hmm. and they're not going to get everything right. And um, it's just like one of those things, you know, we have to grow up and be able to like not sit there and like, I mean, there are exceptions to this with like abusive like family members and everything else. But like in terms of like, you know, if you had an upbringing where you weren't like, you know, abused or like assaulted or, you know, in any type of way, like, you know, you have to be able to look back and give your, you know, your parents or your family for things that happened that, you know, changed your course of development and your growth and like your way for learning about know how your mind um reprograms itself through traumas for you to survive as a child and you know that that carries that that you know that that sticks with you and being able to reprogram your mind and like reparent yourself essentially as the person you are as like for me as a trans woman i am i had to do a lot of i still am i'm still working on it like reparenting myself in a lot of ways that better support me in my growth and my way to express my emotions and process them and being able to like work through like all these hardships and stuff. Um, it's a lot and it's a lot of work and just like hearing her experience and how she also was going through similar things. And for her, a lot of it stemmed around trust and she had a lot of issues trusting people. And I was really grateful to hear her process for how transitioning and then getting to you know get back to be to climbing and how that allowed her to develop the tools to be able to trust again mm-hmm. and that's like you said so important for climbing and it just is. it is in life in general all these things transfer so well from climbing into like our lives as human beings like it's it's so vital i like how you use the word reparenting and it's almost, you know, I've uh, honestly, I've never heard it before. And to me, it's almost like reparenting also is like redefining one's values, redefining one's character, redefining one's, you know, uh, integrity and in how they're going to move through this world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really beautiful. I've never heard that before. Reparenting. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge like mental health, like nerd and just yeah. in therapy the last four and a half years and like something that definitely comes up a lot for myself and i think it's really yeah it's a really positive thing so agreed agreed next we have our main man cat mm. on the mic um you know before we dive into anything uh, into actually not what no what, let the sound bite speak for itself not, and yes it's a i'm in um afterwards yeah it's more of another larger question but yes here we go. Ready? Boom. That runner. And it's, 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 yeah, it's, you just, it, it feels magical to be able to 
float through moves or across the wall because what you you're doing this thing but you are at that moment you're not you may not be actively recognizing you are so in tuned with your body and its communication that it is allowing it to happen um things are happening intuitively you're giving yourself to your intuitions to your natural movement um you may you may also be trying very hard but um it's just like it's for you're just there's a moment of peace Mm -hmm. as you're doing it Uh, they're not combating each other and it's they're just working as one and that's a really magical feeling when you've spent so long feeling like they're just like knocking heads and just like hating each other all the time that's interesting i haven't heard that approach but like as a trans person yeah that's such a crazy thing for your mind and body to be like at one and at peace that's yeah. such yeah wow thanks for they're thanks just working for that. together they're working together they're for working once, together they're finally they're <laughs> finally working together oh my gosh it's happening nature's healing itself <laughs> That's what I'm playing there. You but, may be uh, trying hard, you may be yeah. doing hard moves, but it's doing what you're telling it to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's uh, not fighting back. I think that is a very unique experience to the trans community because I I legitimately cannot think of an experience in my life in this exact moment. And I'm not saying like I have experienced, I'm not by no means am I saying I've experienced everything in life by no means, nor do I want to. Uh, but I generally can kind of be like, well, maybe it's kind of like a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and that. But I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I have no freaking clue. Mm-hmm. Like none. Can you kind of like, I mean, I think add a little context and unpack exactly like what you're talking about for like oh, yeah. this us cisgender community like if you're gonna put it in like yeah like that's it like yeah what exactly are you talking about like your mind and your body are fighting against you yeah i mean that's one of the reasons i selected this clip because it was so like i was like completely like surprised by like the way cast started off i didn't expect him to go where he went and like as you can hear like we're both just basically laughing at the end because it's so freaking true for like as trans people and as like trans climbers the idea of our like bodies and our minds working together um whereas in like most of our past like prior to transition we haven't really felt like we've had that connection um where like you know as like a trans person like i you know was born and assigned male at birth and you know grew up 27 years and the body I had that was, you know, producing testosterone and like putting that through my body and that, you know, started a puberty for me at a younger age that, you know, put me through a lot of things and my body, you know, changed in certain ways that didn't really feel like right or like the right thing for me um, in terms of like my gender identity. So like, that's like the kind of, like guess the joke there is just like, it's like climbing as a trans person is really amazing because it allows my our minds and our bodies to be in agreement and like to be connected and working together 
where it feels like for me and for Kat, at least in that conversation was like, it was humorous because like, we're not used to that experience of our minds and bodies working together and feeling like they're on the same page. Because for a lot of our experiences, we've had a lot of like gender dysphoria. And a lot of the times that gender dysphoria can be mental things, but it can also be a lot of physical things with the body. Can you elaborate on that just a little bit? Because I don't think that's like a common, uh, like gender gender dysphoria. Yeah, it's a very common word in cis vocabulary. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I will. Yeah, I'll no, back no. It, I'll back it up there and no, give a little explanation. It, yeah, it doesn't. Um, have, it doesn't have to be a textbook. Yeah, but just no. like a short snippet. It's it's totally fine. So, gender dysphoria is a thing that um, certain trans people can feel it's not something that's required to be transgender but it's something that a lot of trans people do experience Mm -hmm. and what that is um is the feeling of you know your um it's basically the feeling of like having your gender identity um not aligning with the body that you are in essentially and so there can be like mental things that you feel that can cause gender dysphoria okay and like terms of like experiences that you have or like things that people say that can trigger that dysphoria for you like i'm trying to think of a recent example um okay here's a recent example for me i was just watching uh, i was with my partner and uh they were watching like one of like RuPaul Drag Races, uh, like recent, uh, like star, uh, all star, like seasons or something. Uh-huh. And like, I love drag. Don't get me wrong. I love it so much. I found it as a very important thing for me in the beginning of my transition that I actually, um, like took this like drag, like boot camp workshop class and like did like a whole number and stuff. <laughs> and then awesome. like, and then like did a second thing. And it really helped me to be able to explore gender and like presentation and like my inner femininity that I hadn't been able to really access um and like proudly display and it helped me really figure things out for myself in terms of like my identity and the expression and like what i was able to feel and like portray and um because i grew up in theater and like performing and stuff so it was also just like a really fun experience to like get back on a stage and felt really really good but like in the process of like doing all of that, I uh, realized how hard drag is. Like, it don't it drag don't look easy. Drag is like such a like underappreciated art form. For like, there's so many elements in it. Like, it's a very expensive hobby if you're just doing imagine. it on your own. Because like, you first off, you have like the makeup and like the wigs and like the costuming and like props or anything else that you factor in. And you have to like, go buy that shit by yourself. And then you're working on like the choreography and like the dance moves and you have to like, you know, find the right song. Sometimes you have to go in and edit the song or find someone to edit for you if you don't have that ability to do it yourself uh, and the means of doing it. And then like there's like, yeah, like I said, the whole uh, performance side of it and like stage presence and everything else. There's so much that goes into it that I didn't realize going into that class that I was so grateful for to learn. And then I did it like another time for like this like... um another drag show that I did. And then like, after that, like I like stopped because I was so like worn out and exhausted from it. And I was like, so grateful for my experience, but I realized it's something that I would be able to watch from a distance and appreciate other people doing it. 
and like, I still enjoy like watching like drag shows and like going to local yeah. places. But for me, getting back to what I was saying, <laughs> the reason I got triggered um, with some gender dysphoria was watching the RuPaul's Drag Race, and in the past, RuPaul has been known for saying some like really like hurtful things about the trans community and like trying to keep trans women from competing on the show um and like said some really transphobic comments um that like i went and looked at recently to just like see what he said and be like why do i feel this like you know this whole beef about him as a person because like the things that he said and like I need to look at, you know, the ability of maybe, maybe me needing to look and try to like, look and forgive him for the things he said, because mm -hmm. he's apologized, but like, it's harder to, uh, to let that go whenever he's someone with such a platform that like, um, yeah. has a show that so many people watch. And the thing for me that triggered my dysphoria was like, I never watched the show and I didn't understand why until like, I was like talking over with my therapist the other week. But like when I started watching it, because Xander enjoys watching it. And I was like trying to watch it. And just like within a few minutes, I started feeling really dysphoric. And I was like, I said I was talking about it with my therapist and I didn't really understand why. And I was like, well, I think the thing is like predominantly people, like the contestants, the, the drag queens on the show, majority of them are cis gay men. There are some trans women now on the show and there are some like trans, um, like non-binary people, I think. The majority of them are cis gay men and for me as a trans woman to see these cisgender gay men go on a show and perform femininity and like at such a high level i felt like i was like not doing a good enough job uh, as myself as a trans uh, woman and yeah. like because okay. like oh well there's a cis okay. gay man who can do this better than me and like comparing myself to these to these men to these cis gay men and like i just it just put me in this really bad headspace about not feeling valid enough and who i am and my you know identity as as a woman and i started to compare myself and i just felt really shitty about like my you know experience and how i could like display you know like mm -hmm. traditional femininity which is like total bullshit because it's like all of these standards that like our culture and like beauty standards have imposed on us as a culture to what actual beauty is. And it's like this very like toxic system of like imposing that on people to say, you must look like this and you must do this to be beautiful or mm -hmm. be pretty. And that's marketing. That's all marketing and it's all advertising and everything else to sell things. But it's like, it's entrenched itself in our culture and in our minds of so many like women in general, that's like we struggle with like our body image because of what, you know, media and society is like, you know, embedded in our brains, like since we were kids and like in advertising, it's just continually reinforced. Yeah, It's getting no. a little bit better. Like there is like become to get a little bit more inclusion in the like whole like media and like modeling world, like having more um, size inclusive inclusivity mm -hmm. um and like gender inclusivity but it's like it's just the beginning yeah and it's something that still needs to be like i think fashion is definitely going to lead that way but for that show though i think you're i've always thought that drag in itself is an entire production it is yeah. not it is not this thing like it is all encompassing mm -hmm. it is 
because I've watched that show once. Uh, like, and when I say once, I watched like five or six episodes. Yeah. Because uh, I was just curious, and then I was I'd said the same thing, and I'm I'm I never knew that you did a boot camp, but I remember I was like, this is hard work. <laughs> like, this is like some serious hard work. Like, yeah. they, like this is this is not like. This is not like crocheting in your living room when you're bored and you have Netflix on and you're trying to see if you can do two things. Like this is a thing. Yeah. It's, it's a full thing. Yeah. And I was like, I was blown away by it. I do think that's interesting how that triggered you in that realm, in that way. And I think you're right. You know, it's like society as a whole has just put norms on everything. And I think the beauty of it is, is society puts those norms, society set those norms, society is now changing norms, and society is now moving forward. Some people don't like it, some people do like it. It's not my opinion, and it's never been my opinion or job to tell you what you do and don't like. You're mm -hmm. allowed to love who you wanna love, like what you wanna like, say what you wanna say. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, as long it's, as you're not hurting people in the process or like doing something toxic in a way that, that yeah, hurts like, or discriminates against somebody, then you're okay. Yeah, I would definitely say, and this is just my kind of hard stance on this. I definitely, as long as you are openly not attacking someone, what you say in private, what you say is anything, you know, people are going to say what they're going to say and whether it's hurtful or not. I, I'm a firm believer. I'm not going to stop anyone from saying something hurtful because, and this is just why I say this. And I know a lot of people might push back with me. This, I would rather someone say something hurtful than bottle it in and then do something harmful. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that because like not necessarily like I want them to say something hurtful, but like No, no, but if they they're need, gonna say they it, need like, to say something and that way they can learn from that mistake. Absolutely. And like be able to learn from that because it's something from their past, that conditioning or that, you know Yeah. You know, that wiring of like how culture taught them about like, you know, how they should perceive a certain person and or bare minimum know, get in or bare minimum be in a situation where if you're going to say something like that because your past and your status and this is your truth and this is your reality and you think the whole world should be this way, yeah. at least be in a situation where you can have the conversation with someone because I think that's kind of like a big thing too. It's like, especially in this polarized country that we live in, everyone's like, well, we're talking. I'm like, no, we're, we're like, a lot of people are just shouting at each other. You're just other. yelling at each other, yeah. Yeah, no and I, there's not a conversation involved. And understanding, and especially when it comes to understanding values and understanding where people are coming from, it's not one conversation. It is building a community, a, a, com a communication relationship or a relationship of communication. Maybe that's the better way to say it, a relationship of communication. Mm -hmm. It's a process because, you know, I, I, I take a very firm stance on, like, I'm, I might not like it, but I'm happy you're talking to me about it than just sitting there and stewing on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like a big thing that like, I don't know. I just don't think that 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 thought concept gets mentioned enough because we see it happening. I mean, mo I mean, we see it outbursts in violence against people. And I think the reality is that that person would have had someone to talk to, even if it would have been a little bit of a nasty conversation. Mm -hmm. The violence, the odds are that and I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a police officer. I don't have stats. I don't have anything to run this off of. Mm -hmm. I'm just a human being thinking about when you know and i'm not perfect and so i'll admit my own faults people have made me angry enough where i'm like oh like i just like you know all of us are like ah, i just want to like strangle you or i just want to be mad at you or i just want to mm -hmm. do something but then when you can kind of let that out and it's as a figure of speech like you know 
But when you, but when people have that and they don't, and they just bottle it and it turns and it turns and it turns and it turns, boom, Mm -hmm. as you so elegantly showed. And I, yeah, I know it's this like, this gets into like a whole nother can of worms that Mm -hmm. we can talk about, which we will probably. It it comes up later actually. And it's funny that we're talking about this with cat's clip because yeah later on there's there's one more of that we kind of go into this very topic that we're talking about now um but i can kind of try to dial it back in yeah um and just wrap it up about like the whole you know reason of like you know like gender dysphoria and like i talked about like you know how i experienced that mentally but there's also like physical experiences and i feel like i experienced it more in the beginning of my transition of terms of like having it relate to my body and how i feel about it um and there was like a lot of things, you know, that I would, you know, try to wear or something else. And it just like one of the main major things that surrounded me for my uh, dysphoria with my body was like, um, like I have dark hair. So I had a lot of like dark facial hair that would continuously, even if I shaved it prior, like the day of, you know, I still have this shadow there. And that was like a big source of, like gender dysphoria for me for such a long time until I did like a shit ton of laser hair removal. It's still not all gone, but it's a lot more manageable now. And I have less gender dysphoria mm-hmm. surrounding like my face and like it, you know, and, like just having that as something that just like makes me feel like less than or not really happy with my body. So whenever we're talking about our bodies and our minds working together, mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that Kat and I were talking about basically. Just I definitely being able to have that connection of like having our minds working together with our bodies when we're climbing and experiencing mm. that intuition is peaceful and like magical as Kat was saying. I feel like I definitely picked up on that from a physical standpoint of view and I'm happy you kind of got into an emotional and spiritual side of it too because once again like as you stated in the beginning of this thing I think with anything that matters in your life your heart your mind and your gut have all got to agree. And that's something my therapist told me that I'll never forget, you know? And it's like, they don't all, and they don't all have to be in a hundred percent, but like two of them, I got to like, at least two of them got to be like, okay, we're in. Mm-hmm. And then they'll convince the third one. Even yeah. If the third one's like 50, 50. Yeah. You know? And so really funny the way you like mentioned that, because like for me, in terms of the beginning of my transition, and I, you know, I talked about like, you know, like testosterone wasn't the right thing for my body. And for me and my development as a human and like, as, know a woman as a trans woman i am and the moment i was able to start hrt and start taking uh and putting like estradiol mm-hmm. into my body and that was you know became the main hormone uh the predominant hormone because like every person has you know estrogen and testosterone in their body it's just there's one that's more dominant than the other and your body needs that to survive you can't just completely remove hormones from no. the body because then your body's going to have a lot of issues and not be in a good place. I'm not a doctor, so I can't speak too well, but no, essentially I, whenever, sounds bad. essentially whenever I was able to like start es- taking uh, estradiol and now I do injections, not a big deal or important to like talk about that specifically, but the amount of peace, I don't know if it was placebo or not, the amount of peace that I felt whenever I started it. And it did enact a lot of like emotional changes as well, as well that I wasn't like, I was expecting, but I wasn't prepared for just because I hadn't mm-hmm. experienced it. But it also, interestingly enough like has affected the way that like i like am attracted to people and the Mm. way that like 
like prior to anything, you know, like I was really grateful whenever I was able to like get into like the year of transition and like, like I'm sure you as, you know, as a, as a man, like know and understand testosterone, um, can like, it's like, it causes people to be very thirsty. Um, and they essentially like, it was, you know, prior to transitioning, like it was just like so easily for your mind to just turn to sex. And like, that's testosterone at work. Mm -hmm. Like testosterone coursing through your blood causes you to think about like that, you know, and I think it, it comes down to like, also like, you know, our ancestors and just like the need to survive and reproduce procreate, and everything, yeah. procreate, like it all comes down to that, but now it's not as important. So our mind, you know, it drifts to sex and like that pleasure of sex. And like, that's why people with testosterone, like running their bodies, like are able to just so fastly go into that. And then for that to be removed was such a relief mm. and not have to experience like That's this like constant like sex drive of just like just like it would just like randomly flip on if you saw something that you found attractive like i'm sure you've probably experienced that at some point I in your mean, life i, I mean um, yes i am a red-blooded cis male yeah so it like happens. it happens with anyone who has testosterone like drive in the system like i've talked to trans men who have been like i wasn't expecting this and <laughs> it's just like mm. funny to hear their experiences as well but i was just like really glad <clears throat> to like have that kind of fade away and then like my terms of attraction for somebody also shifted because like before it was just like a physical thing that i needed from another person or a partner that i was with i needed like a physical attraction mm -hmm. to be like interested in like pursuing any type of like physical you know attention or mm -hmm. any type of like you know interaction like sexually or anything else yeah. But now, like, when I started, like, dating and, like, you know, you know, having my own, like, discovery of my body, like, after being on hormones for a while, like, all that changed and I had to relearn how my body worked and, like, learning how to, like, figure out how, like, my attraction was different. And it was, like, not solely based on attraction anymore. There was the mental aspect. There was the attraction aspect. And then there was, like, that gut. Like, those, mm -hmm. those, all those things come into more of an important system for me to find a partner or like find any type of like person that I would want to interact with. And so it was interesting when you brought that up, that just like popped up in my head and for some reason wanted to share it. Hmm. All right. That's beautiful. We'll move on to Lanana. Nana Heed. Wouldn't it be nice if people educated themselves so that you didn't have to correct them because they didn't assume in the first place, A, what any gender looks like, because mm -hmm. that's inappropriate, and there's no B. That's it. Don't assume. Yep. That's the shortest and, like, the most direct soundbite that I have uh, selected because it's just so, like, direct okay. and just, like, it all, like, makes sense. I don't have to, really like, go into much, too much about it. It's just, no, like... No, I think Nana summed it up really yeah, well. Yeah. It it's just like stands on its own. And I think that's like kind of what we were talking about, like as social norms and things are changing, times are changing. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode and know that it's not done. The next episode comes out next week. Alexa and I were just so into this and just really just reveling in everything that we have learned and the experiences that I've had an opportunity to learn, she has grown with, and how we have been 
just really diving into this community. So stay tuned for next week. And if you can't wait, check us out on our Patreon because it's already going to be up there within the next few days. And remember, if you're not suffering, are you even sending at all? Don't, 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 don't.